and welcome to the Famous Five podcast, in which we share with you a Famous Five adventure written by Enid Blyton. Today's book is Five Go to Demon's Rocks. If you haven't read the book and you don't want to be subject to spoilers, please turn off now and come back when you've read it. Hello, everybody. Hi. Welcome to the 19th episode, which means it's the 19th book, which means we've only got two more after this one. That's crazy, isn't it? I was thinking about that as I was reading this one, that when we started, 21 books felt like a long time. That's at least 21 months. But somehow we're already at book 19. Craziness. Craziness. And we're nearly at the end. But what we thought we'd do, with your help, listener, and I'm asking you at the beginning, because by the time we got to the end of this book, you might all be very tired and want to go to sleep, is after Five Are Together again, we'd like to put out one final episode of like a roundup of things that we've discussed over the 21 books. And we would like your input. We would love you to send us an email. And the bare minimum we ask from you would be your favourite book, your favourite character, and maybe your favourite guest character. But if you want to write how you got into the Famous Five, or, you know, you've got several books that you really like, or characters, whatever, we would love your opinions, and then we can read them all out in the very last episode, and that would be a really great way to sign off and say goodbye to the Famous Five. And our email address, because that's important, if you want to email us, is famousfivepod at gmail.com. Uh, I will ask over the next two episodes, but I'm giving you lots of time now to think about it and get them in. And it doesn't matter if you send them in now and we don't do the episode for another few months. We will read yours out. We will save your emails. Gosh, it seems so final. Just two more books after this one and then a roundup episode. Are we going to have like a sad outro theme music? Perfect. We all dab our eyes with our handkerchiefs. Oh my gosh, you can just sing it. This is perfect. Oh, I can already feel the tears coming. Pass me a hanky. <laughs> or we could read and delve into Five Go to Demon's Rocks. You know what I'm going to do for you, for all of you? I'm going to read the brief synopsis from the back of my book. Go for and it. And it says. It's quite brief. Is there any treasure on Demon's Rocks? Or is it just a myth? The famous five decide to explore the surrounding caves. Then they find a gold coin and the myth becomes all too real. Ooh. <laughs> I did the woo noise myself. That's not written on the back of the book. Okay, mine is, this holiday, the five are leaving Kieran Cottage to live in a lighthouse on Demon's Rocks. Many years ago, stolen treasure from ships wrecked on the rocks was hidden, never to be found. The five are excited to explore the secret caves, but someone dangerous wants to reach the treasure first. Can the five stop them before it's gone for good? Can they? Doesn't really feel like that that's what the book's about, but okay. No, also it said someone dangerous is out to get them, but in the book I read at least there were two someones. Yeah. How would you communicate that in the blurb, though? And two dangerous someones are out to get them. <laughs> dangerous people, I suppose you'd say, wouldn't you? I guess. Someone. Uh, and there's no mention of Jeremiah Boogle on either, which is a shame because I was really looking forward to his name and the more they could say it, the better. Though in the book, at least, they do say it quite a lot. Yes. Jeremiah Boogle, Jeremiah Boogle. <laughs> that was good. Yeah, I'll sing that every time he enters okay. the stage. I won't, because he's actually in it quite a lot, which is nice. Do you remember a while back when I couldn't be bothered typing it, so I sent JB to you, and then we spent ten minutes just sending each other anybody we could think of who had the initials JB? Oh, yeah. That's a fun game if you've got five minutes, listeners. It is, because it started off, I said, not John Barrowman, and then okay. it just went on and on, the Jeremiah Bugle game. <laughs> In chapter one, 
Uncle Quentin would prefer his professor friend to come to Kieran Cottage instead of the five. But they have to come as Julian, Dick and Anne's parents are off on a cruise. So everyone is coming, as everyone has already set off. Aunt Fanny's cross, and then she sees a monkey. Professor Hailing has arrived with his son and his son's pet monkey. The monkey's name is Mischief, and the boy is called Tinker. I mean, you may as well call them Silly Boy and Naughty Animal. Yes, that's true, and I honestly didn't think that until you just said it, but they do have names that just describe what they're going to be like. Tinker pretends to be a car. Where was everyone going to sleep? And then I wondered, is this the only chapter with no Famous Five? But I'm pretty sure there's been other ones where... Wasn't there, like, a chapter in Five Go Off to Camp called More About Jock or something like that? And it was just him going home. Yeah, I think... Well, I'm not sure, though, actually. This might be... This might be the only... This is the only one I can think of that doesn't have any in. Because usually... Yeah, because there'll be sort of a section at the start of a chapter, usually at the start of the book, where there's no five present, but then they turn up during the chapter. Um, I... Hate is perhaps too strong a word, but... I was in very strong dislike with Professor Hailing um, before we even met him because when Uncle Quentin tells Aunt Fanny that he's coming, he says, listen, he's coming to stay today for a week instead of next week, which is the rudest, most awful thing a person could do. I mean, A, they're going to come and stay in your house. It's like stressful enough, you know, because then you have to have a really clean, nice house and worry about, you know, I don't know, if they're judging you. I don't know. Aunt Fanny's probably a bit cooler than that. But then he says he's going to come next week and then he's just like, oh, I'm coming today. No, that is a no from me. Agreed. Not having that at all. The other, and I do, I know we meet them a couple of times, but I do feel like Julie and Dick and Anne's parents are not very good I agree. They're always on a cruise or gone somewhere else and it's like, bye children, it's fine, you go off somewhere or go to George's house. Yeah, and also there was another um, another section in this book, it's not in the first chapter, a bit later, where they're going to send postcards to Aunt Fanny every day so that she knows they're okay. And they don't have to send any to Julie and Dick and Anne's parents because... They just don't care, I think. This is just what I was thinking, because I have an awful bout of insomnia currently, so I have a lot of time to think. Do you think that after having George, there was um, 11 years that the children never met each other, right? Mm -hmm. We don't know which parents are related to which, but let's, for argument's sake, say that um, Professor Kieran is related to Julian's dad. Right? Okay. So they're brothers. So their parents, in fact, any of the none of the grandparents exist for the Famous Five. They never talk about grandparents, shared or not shared. That's true. They're, that would have been a bit more scope for places to go. Yeah. We're going to Grandma's house and Grandma lives, you know, in the middle of a forest. <laughs> what? I don't know. I yeah, to, why, why not? <laughs> need to work on that one there's probably a lake a stream and i'm just gonna put this out there like some hidden treasure okay so after 11 years julian's parents julian dick and Anne's parents bump into i'm um, bump into quentin or fanny i can't remember which and then they say the children should get together so they send the three off to kieran cottage they get on and then do you think julian's mum and dad are just from then on like brilliant we can pack them off to auntie and uncle and we can go on a cruise or we can go abroad and we can go to wherever we want to and we don't have to take the children. Yeah, I think so, actually. I really get that feeling of, like, we don't have to take the 13, 11 and 10-year-old on holiday with us anymore. We'll pack them off to Kieran Cottage. Perfect. Very, very absent, these parents. Mm. Anyway, I'm really getting... um distracted but yeah i suddenly realized i'd never thought about it before but they never um mention grandparents no they don't do they and we've met 
some other characters' grandparents or grandparent age people like Jeremiah Boogle. Mm, great um, grand, he's a great grandfather. Yeah, but goodness, just no grandparents for these kids. So, chapter two. Chapter two. The five are heading back to Kieran Cottage. They know that they're staying a week before Uncle Quentin's professor friend arrives. They see smoke coming from the chimney and Dick reckons he can smell the sausages cooking. They arrive and in a flip reverse moment of face at the window, because they're outside, they Mm. see a little monkey face. And off goes Timmy to investigate. And I liked that he thought it, was it a small dog or a strange sort of cat? Anyway, whatever it was, he was going to chase it. And of course, George runs after him and meets Tinker and Mischief. And Tinker smacks Timmy, so George smacks Tinker. Joanna rushes in to mediate and Tinker takes Mischief away. Joanna explains who Tinker is and that his father's already here. Joanna and Aunt Fanny just don't know where to put them all. It hasn't been mentioned what time of year it is at the minute. So I was surprised that they haven't just gone, we'll camp outside, because they camp outside all the time. Mm. Or in a barn, or, you know, ruins, whatever. They don't mind. Yeah, anywhere, anywhere they can go. George hates Tinker, of course, and Joanna suggests the boys sleep in the loft. Okay. This is something that amused me, so... Aunt Fanny and Joanna are obviously very stressed because they've suddenly got all these people to um, cook for and look after, etc., etc. And Joanna says, um, that Professor Hailing just walked into this house as if he owned it, bringing luggage <laughs> and that most peculiar little boy and a monkey. Now, I think I would have led with the monkey because bringing luggage isn't a bad thing. I know he was arriving a week early, but I don't think you could go, he's come to stay and he's brought luggage. Aunt Fanny hated the luggage too. At the end of chapter one, she's eyeing it and thinking, why hadn't the professor gone to a hotel? So her and Joanna, they've got a a big thing about luggage. Maybe it's because the children, do you remember once they went camping and they just wore their school blazers so they wouldn't have to take jackets? (laughs) She's so used to the children coming, bringing, I don't know, what do they bring, like a dog bone and... Satchel. Yeah, and a bathing suit. But when people actually bring enough clothes for a week, she's just like, oh, that's so extravagant. <laughs> she's used to people only taking food when they travel. Julian reassures Aunt Fanny that there won't be any trouble. And he says, you've no idea how fine I look with an apron round my waist and a broom in my hand. Timmy sees mischief and starts barking again. Cue two rude and angry scientists with Uncle Quentin threatening to send Timmy away. In chapter three, now as I went through this book, I know it was the food episode last book, but I thought I'd carry on. And actually, they hardly eat anything in this book and the last book. I've really come at it too late. But in oh. chapter three, they eat, they eat buns and biscuits. Mm. Apparently, it's too cold this time of year to sleep in a tent. The five head off to do the shopping. Tinker pretends to be a Mercedes car in the garden and gets shouted at. He's a strange boy, and at this point even Joanna's not very kind to him, which is sad, because Joanna's, Joanna's kind to everybody. The next day it rains, and Tinker drove, haha, everyone mad. Joanna mm. gives Mischief a biscuit, but because the monkey stole one of Timmy's earlier and made him angry, he gives him this one as an apology, and I just wrote, what am I reading? Yes, I agree. And also... Joanna starts crying when Timmy lets Mischief sit between his front paws. Yes, that's... Maybe Joanna's having a bit of a funny time. You know, she's not nice to this little boy who clearly is a little bit neglected, but then Timmy's just being Timmy and she's in tears. And um, George doesn't believe Joanna that... Timmy and Mischief are getting on until she sees Mischief riding on Timmy's back and that's when they become best of friends and she he sleeps between mm-hmm. his paws and Timmy stops um, playing with Mischief because um, he knows that George is cross so he goes to lie down on the rug oh yeah and that's when Joanna gets upset yeah. don't tell Timmy off for being yeah very strange very strange um Professor Kieran is called Mr. Kieran in this, but I'm pretty sure he's a professor. Yeah, I thought he was a professor too. Uh, Then madness happens. 
Tinker's noise disturbs the science men, disturbs the scientists, who grab him and shake him. He yells, everyone comes running, Joanna nearly knocks over Uncle Quentin, and George laughs at that. And so Quentin instructs his wife to send all the children away. And I did write, like that's a new thing, at least they're not sick this time. Mm. Yeah, it's um, since the first time you said that there's always got to be some kind of device to send the children away, I always notice it. But I did think that this one was a bit much. Mm. Uncle Quentin's just like, I can't deal with their noise and with George laughing. So all these children have to leave right now. In chapter four, Aunt Fanny gathers the children and wonders what to do. They can't go to Julian, Dick and Anne's house as it's all shut up. The forecast is bad, so no camping. It's April apparently. They can't think of anyone in the world who would take them in. Nobody they've met in the past 18 books like Sooty or any of the young people that they've saved from kidnappers or family or people in the village that always seem to be taking people in. No, none of them will be able to take them. But then Tinker pipes up because he has a lighthouse. His father bought it for some experiments and then gave it to Tinker. Of course. He has a lighthouse. <laughs> a new lighthouse got built, so they don't need this one to work anymore, though it still has the light. Oh. There's a little bit in this chapter when he shows them the map, and he says, I have a map that shows where my lighthouse is, said Tinker, scrabbling in one of his pockets. It's rather crumpled and dirty because I've looked at it so often. You just think, oh, poor little lonely boy staring at the map of his lighthouse. Oh, made me sad. Oh yeah, the all of the character of Tinker is quite sad. Really, I think I sort of just I just tried to ignore it because oh, it's so sad. We actually we've been past the bit already, haven't we? When he's introduced and his dad says he can't even remember Tinker's name, so he just calls him Tinker. It's so bad. It's so, it's so bad. bad. And Tinker is clearly well. I don't. I. I I use this phrase, but I don't mean it as a, as a joke. He's clearly on the spectrum. Yes. Because he yes. becomes a car when he's excited. Yes. And, you know, that's behaviour that doesn't necessarily... Children don't exhibit. And what we notice is that it disappears as he has friends to speak to every day and he's in his lighthouse and he's happy. Yeah. Oh, Tinker. And we never find out his real name. Probably John. You're right, probably John. Dick is thrilled to meet a lighthouse keeper. And Tinker tells them about Wreckers. Now, we already know about Wreckers, but the five have conveniently forgotten. Book 12, Five Go Down to the Sea. Mm -hmm. Aunt Fanny agrees they can go, and they should take the record player in case of the rain. But this is never mentioned again. No, and... It's never been mentioned before, and it's never mentioned again. And what records were they going to listen to? Who knows? It was the sixties. Never know. It was the sixties by the time Enid Blyton was writing it. So whoever was big in the sixties, I suppose. But it's one of those things that sort of, as we've gone on, I know record player isn't very modern, but it feels very modern for the Famous Five. Yes, agree. And there's something else coming up that feels even more modern, but we'll get there. In chapter five, Aunt Fanny tries to tell Uncle Quentin, but he's an idiot. <laughs> Joanna and Mischief are now best friends. And there's a lovely little Jen moment where Joanna has uh, Mischief helping her in the kitchen. And she's like, see, I roll it like this and then like that. And I pick off a bit for you. And she gave Mischief a snippet for himself. He was very pleased and leant on Joanna's shoulder. He lifted a piece of her hair and whispered into her ear. Joanna pretended to understand. I feel that's a very Jen moment. I think that would that would be what you would do. Yeah, I, I probably would actually. I would definitely talk to an animal like that. Aunt Fanny worries to Joanna if they'll be okay on their own. This is book 19. It's a bit late for that. Mischief starts pelting them with raisins. So Joanna is about to throw water at him just as Uncle Quentin walks in. Uh-oh. <laughs> it's like a farce. It is. Uncle Quentin wants mischief to be put in the dustbin and he is told that they're going to the lighthouse and he agreed. Aunt Fanny is very cool and even tells him that you're annoying them. 
Then George and Timmy dance around the room. They're off to stay in a lighthouse. Bonkers, these first chapters. Yes, they are. They actually are. In chapter six, the children make plans to go to the lighthouse. They locate it on a map. They decide to travel by car. Tinker says they'll have to carry things across the rocks. And if the sea's rough, they're stuck. And if the tide's in, they have to get across by boat. Julian checks Anne wants to come and calls her a mouse. They decide to leave the next day. Apparently, Tinker can drive again. And I thought, oh, is this going to come up later in the book? And it didn't. No, I wouldn't. Maybe drive to escape. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> the children walk. <laughs> the children walk to the garage, and say, "We'll have to have a driver too, as someone will have to bring it back." Now, of course, because what they can't. I, what is this book? Of course, they'll have to have a driver to drive the car that they're hiring. Mm. Well, I mean, initially, I thought maybe. Maybe an uncle would drive them, but of course they're so busy, that's why the children have to leave. But uh, then you would say, we'll have to have a driver too, as Uncle Quentin's too busy. Yeah. Not someone will have to bring it back. That's very strange. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> the garage man agrees, and they order things from the grocers. Julian has a wallet now, because he is 40. <laughs> he is. And he's paying for the car, and he's paying for the groceries. Where is he getting this well, his job. He has a nine-to-five job. Yeah, of course, course he does. Because he's 40. <laughs> then George and Tinker have a who has the vaguest dad competition. And Julian has to defuse it. But George is so excited about the lighthouse. The amount of times I read how excited somebody was about a lighthouse. Everybody took turns in different chapters to be excited about the lighthouse. They did, didn't and, they? I mean, yes, a lighthouse is exciting, but I get that everybody's excited. In chapter 7, they have bacon and eggs. Aunt Fanny has more second thoughts, but the children insist, so she sends them to bed early. So much filler in this uh, chapter about forgetful scientists and Tinker being a car. And then they have breakfast and wait for the actual car. Yeah, the, I mean, the chap- chapter seven's l- literally called Off at Last. So you know that this is just... The end of this chapter is going to be... That they're on their way. So it's a, it's a whole chapter. Even though we've already just had a chapter of people saying they're so excited and getting ready. This is another chapter. And more about Tinker being a car and more about scientists being forgetful. Mm. Literally the most pointless chapter since shelling peas. Oh yeah, shelling peas. This gives it a run for its money. In chapter 8, they have sandwiches. And tomatoes, or is it tomato sandwiches? I believe it may be. Tinker talks to the driver about cars, and this car has an electric window, which seems... That's what I thought seemed too modern for the famous Oh, yeah. I agree. They stop for lunch. The driver was born at Demon's Rocks, and his great-granddad still lives there, and he is... (gasps) Jeremiah Boogle! (laughs) Finally. Finally, I've been waiting so many books. And he might tell them about the Wrecker's Cave. Mm. They carry on driving, discussing the scary rocks in the sea, and the lighthouse comes into view. They find the boat, bob about, and they head off to the lighthouse. Oh, and Tinker's got a little boat as well. That's a, another sort of versus George thing. She has a little boat and an island. He has a little boat and a lighthouse. In chapter 9... Mischief doesn't like the boat. They row on what sounds like a rather rough sea, and Dick won't let George row. I just was tutting at Dick not letting George row. Like, she was rowing her boat out to Kieran before she even knew these cousins existed, so... Yeah, apparently the lighthouse was built to commemorate a rich man's daughter who died in a wreck. Tinker tells them the best way to navigate the rocks, and as they arrive, Tinker can't unlock the door. It's a large, old key... But Julian manages it, of course. Tinker gives them a tour. He shows them the oil room and Anne instantly hates it. It's haunted by the ghost of a dog and you know that she doesn't think that dogs exist. (laughs) Not that again. (laughs) Yeah, she doesn't believe in dogs. No. (laughs) Tinker realises that they left an old mattress and a frying pan, kettle and some cutlery and crockery. So that's lucky. I'm a bit concerned about where everyone else is sleeping. They've got one mattress between five children, a dog and a monkey. And what were they going to make meals on if they didn't have a frying pan? 
Yeah. Because all they ever have is like bacon and eggs and sausages. Yes. I think they eat all three of those things while they're here, actually. Oh, almost certainly. Um, and you'll be very glad to know that there is a water tank. Because as George says, we'll have to have some water. Yes, I know. I was so stunned by it that I was like, maybe it's just a water tank for like washing their hands and dishes. But no, they can drink this water. This is drinking water. In chapter 10, they eat, now they're on their own, they eat a whole lot more. So they eat bread, butter, eggs, mince pies, cherry buns, macaroons and ginger beer. They go to the lamp room and can see for miles. There's an outside gallery, which is very dangerous. Tinker said when there was a storm last time, he felt the lighthouse rocking. Anne is very impressed with the lighthouse. They unpack the boat. The front door is very sturdy. That's important. And Dick invents tea soup. Mmm... Very good. Then they eat and wash up and they challenge some gender roles. Oh, don't wash up. Just give the things a quick wipe over, said Tinker. Like this. Oh, no, said Anne. That's just like a boy. You'd better leave this side of things to me. I like doing jobs like this. See? Just like a girl, said Tinker with a grin. No, it isn't, said George. I hate doing them and I'm a girl, though I wish I wasn't. So there you go, just because you're a girl doesn't mean you have to like washing up. Yeah, that's true. I mean, who does like washing up, really? It's satisfying when it's done, but it's just a job. Dads like washing up, I think. My dad does. Did. Oh, dads, yeah. Well, that makes it sound like he's dead. He got a dishwasher, he didn't die. <laughs> oh. So maybe he didn't like washing up because he got a dishwasher. The mystery continues. <laughs> I also think the quote is not Daddy got a dishwasher is <laughs> Put it on a t shirt for yeah. Oh and then actually after that when George defends the the gendering of washing up, um Tinker thinks he's complimenting her by saying, Never mind, you look like a boy and you're often as rude as a boy and you haven't an awful lot of manners. <laughs> Funnily, George does not find this to be a compliment. <laughs> but she's so happy to be in the lighthouse looking at the view that she forgives Tinker instantly. And they do keep telling Tinker how lucky he is when he's clearly a neglected child with undiagnosed autism. <laughs> oh, poor Tinker. At least he's got a monkey. Yeah, true. I don't think that helps. No, it probably doesn't. The girls sleep in the living room and the boys in the bedroom. And I just want to read this because it probably wouldn't have got my attention when we're reading book one, but it certainly does now. Tomorrow we'll go down to the village and buy a stock of postcards and we'll send one every single day. I know mother will worry if we don't. All mothers are worriers, said Dick. It's a nuisance, but on the other hand, it's one of the nice things about them. What would Dick know about having a mother who worries? I don't know. Maybe... He's just projecting. <laughs> Maybe he read a book once. <laughs> Maybe he believes his mother worries. Yeah, he doesn't... He knows he doesn't have to send her a postcard. But he he believes in his heart that she does worry. When she's just, like, drunk on her cruise. <laughs> <laughs> we have no proof of that. I mean, I'm just... You know, we know she's on a cruise. We don't yes. know that she's drunk. But I'm just saying she's probably not on the cruise <laughs> worrying every day about her children. <laughs> in chapter 11 they have lemonade cake biscuit eggs bread butter and apples that sounds so filling julian teaches us about lighthouses oh one of the first great lighthouses was built ages ago on an island called pharos at the mouth of the nile not far from the great port of alexandria said julian was it built of stone like this one asked tinker no, it was built of white marble, said Julian. I thought of it today when we went up the spiral staircase here, because the Pharos lighthouse had one too, much, much bigger than ours. What was their lamp like? asked Tinker. I don't know if it had a lamp, said Julian. It's said that an enormous fire was built each night at the top of the lighthouse, whose flames could be seen by ships a hundred miles away. Goodness, it must have been a pretty high lighthouse then, this Pharos, said Dick. Well, it was supposed to be about 180 metres high, said Julian. Phew, I wonder the wind didn't blow it down, said Dick. Let's go and see it one day if it's still there. Idiot, said Julian. 
It's long, it's gone long since. After all, it was built over 2,200 years ago. An earthquake came along one day and the magnificent lighthouse was shaken to bits, completely destroyed. There was a shocked silence. Everyone looked round at the walls of the lighthouse they were in. An earthquake? What a catastrophe that would be for even a little lighthouse. So there you go. I think it was very insensitive to mention an earthquake around Anne because we know that she is very sensitive to earthquakes and sometimes she thinks a train is an earthquake. So having her up in the lighthouse and then saying, oh, there was a huge lighthouse, but an earthquake took it down. I just, I, I don't think you should be saying that yeah. around Anne. She yeah. can't take it. No. I don't think that's a good idea. She doesn't want to know about earthquakes and she doesn't want to know about dogs. Like, she keeps it simple. <laughs> they discuss the lamp and say it probably doesn't work anymore. Julian has won all the games so far. They have a snack and go to bed. In the morning, they have breakfast and walk across the rocks to the mainland. They spot... Jeremiah Boogle! They met his grandson, George Jackson, and... Jeremiah Boogle! calls him a ninny oh and then old jeremiah told a story that the five could hardly believe <laughs> except for the fact it's so similar to <laughs> so many stories they've heard in the past several books yeah i did like that line a story the five could hardly believe and i just thought well they always pretty much every book they hear a version of that story so it sort of it tickled me, but I wasn't expecting them to hear something they'd never heard before. No, and they don't really. So old Jeremiah Bogle tells a tale of the three wreckers, mean, cruel, and wicked. One-eared Bill, a monkey chewed his ear off. Bart and Nosy, not to be confused with the jackdaw on Finiston Farm in the last book. Mm. They deliberately caused ships to be wrecked and became rich. And even though he went to prison, one-eared Bill was still rich because he'd hidden the treasure in the caves and no one knew where. <gasps> but Bill died in prison and the treasure remains hidden, maybe in the cave, but so many people have looked in there and it's probably not there. <laughs> oh my gosh! I can't even. Do you know, I did think, though, before we found out one-eared Bill was dead, that he was going to get out of prison right about the time the children arrived i thought that he's going to be the villain but no how oh, you thought he was mm. um contemporary yes i think that it's mischief's great 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 grandfather that chewed off one ear bill's ear mm. based on literally nothing based on nothing <laughs> but Do you know what i was about to say oh, what i was about to say what was he called before he lost his ear? But clearly he was just called Bill. <laughs> Maybe he was called Two Ears Bill. That was like his thing. Oh, and then it was really like, oh man, everybody knows me as Two Ears Bill. The monkey's taken one off. Yeah, and then he was like, what will I be called now? <laughs> they thank Jeremiah Boogle. And say so they'll buy him some sweets. He says he'll take them to the caves one day and the children head off for a walk. Mm. Chapter 13, there's coffee, buns and ice cream. And they buy... Jeremiah Boogle! Some sweets. Now, you might be thinking, why is a bunch of children buying an old man some sweets? So, I had a look on enidblighton.net which is a really good website, by the way. Couldn't recommend it enough. And in a review from 2005, uh, someone called Keith Robinson has reviewed the uh, the book, but he's also mentioned that it turns out that in the original writing of the book, they bought him tobacco. Oh. And that's why the owner of the shop is passing it on. He's not selling it to the children. They're just giving him money for it, and he'll give it to Jeremiah. But it was obviously decided in later editions that it was probably not a good idea that children are buying tobacco for old men. So they changed it to sweets. Yeah, yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. Um, in this in this version, in this modern version, when Tom gets the sweets, he says, the amount that old Jeremiah has eaten since I've been here would keep an army going for years. So... 
I mean, was that originally tobacco? And he was like, oh, the amount that old Jeremiah smoked? Yeah, probably. Oh. Because think about it, smoking wasn't bad in those days. Whew, JB. I mean, when um, when our, when soldiers got their rations in the Second World War, they got a, a pouch of tobacco. Oh, yeah. Yeah, everybody Goodness. smoked. There's an amazing... I, I was watching a drama that's set in wartime, and it's a, it's um, a woman who's gone to the doctor, and the doctor's examined this lady, offers her a cigarette, and then tells her that she's pregnant, and you're just like, wow. Oh, amazing. But yeah, no, cigarettes were not what they are today. No. Uh, Tom, the shopkeeper, says... Jeremiah, oh, do you want me to <laughs> do you want to keep singing it? Yeah, come on, you can do it, no, because I like this thing, it's silly, is it? Yeah. Tom, the shop owner, says, Jeremiah Boogle never forgets or forgives, and there's two people in the village that he hates, descendants of Wania Bill, Ebenezer and Jacob. They show people around the caves. George reckons the treasure could still be there. They walk along the cliffs and come to a sign. Um, the, this flag warns ships off Demon's Rocks by day. By night, the great lighthouse at high cliffs farther along the coast gives warning. In the old days, a lamp shone from this spot to give the ship's warning, and later a small lighthouse was built on Demon's Rocks. It's still in existence, but no longer in use. Ha! They're wrong there, said Tinker, pointing at the last sentence. We're using it. I'll alter the notice. And Tinker actually took a pencil to scratch out the last six words. Julian took it from him. Don't be silly. You can't mess about with public notices. Don't say you're one of those idiots who like to scribble all over the place. Well, we already know that Mischief is one of those idiots that likes to scribble all over the place. And I think Tinker probably is too, to be honest. But I'm glad he's stopped in this instance. It's one of those things where um, you can feel that she's talking to the reader and saying, don't be graffitiing. Yeah. They head back and visit the coffee shop. Dick buys some postcards, and we find out that Tinker's mother is dead. And of course, in The Famous Five, if you have a dead parent, you get extra cake or a bun. Yeah, of course. They wrote their postcards, bought supplies, and headed back to the lighthouse. Tinker doesn't remember locking the door. No one does, and the key is nowhere to be found. Anne was last out, and she just let the door close behind her. So they push it. Julian feels for the key, but it's not there. The milkman's bin, the postman's bin, but surely neither would take the key. They race in to check if anything else has been stolen. In chapter 14, they realise a rug, a purse, a clock and a few other things have been stolen. Julian decides to tell the police, so he rows across to report it and ends up inviting the police officer round. Also, the policeman... I mean, the policeman knows the people of the town, but everybody Julian names, the policeman's like, oh no, not them, not them, not them. Oh, as far as I can tell you, both Willie the Milkman and Posty are as honest as the day. And then um, Julian also names Jeremiah Bogle or Tom the Sweet Shop Owner. And the policeman says, no, no, I think we can rule both of them out. Like, you could at least pretend you're taking it seriously. <laughs> George asks about the foundations of the lighthouse and it's built deep into the rock as a kind of shaft. And under it are all sorts of holes and tunnels. Tinker and Julian go and look for the architect's map. Julian mentions Tinker doesn't turn into a car anymore. He must be growing up. Or he's finally not lonely. Yeah, he's finally got, you know, some social stimulation. They look at the drawing and go to investigate the entrance to the shaft, which is through a large, round trapdoor. There's a ladder down one side, and Julian goes down. At the bottom, there's a tunnel, and he can hear the sea. It's high tide. Back upstairs, he shows them on the map where the underground tunnel is and how he'd like to explore it at low tide. And just as Anne is about to speak, a voice echoes up the stairs. Anyone at home? In chapter 15, they have buns and jam. The policeman has come to visit and just casually unjammed the door. Yeah. walked in. Yeah, I think, you know, the policeman is very reluctant to name any suspects but i think the policeman is a suspect at this point <laughs> he tells them that it may have been jacob loomer he was seen in the area and he's a rogue and a fool so julian goes back with him jacob swears he didn't take the key though he has all the other things he's not a very nice man julian returns and says they will get a new lock so he and dick go and ask the locksmith who says it'll be a few days they agree that when they Go to the caves, they will leave Timmy in the lighthouse. 
I understand that the locksmith is busy, but there's five children on their own <laughs> in the lighthouse. And, I mean, he doesn't owe them anything. But you'd think he'd just be like, you know what, I'll, I can just come over after I'm finished for the day and do it for you. <laughs> but instead he's like, nah, you'll be fine. Bye! <laughs> Chapter 16, bacon, eggs, toast, marmalade and coffee. Next morning, Timmy hears the milkman. They eat breakfast, right to Aunt Fanny, but don't tell her about the break-in. Mm-mm, they don't want her to worry too much. They leave Timmy on guard. Jeremiah Boogle offers to take them round the caves. They head off. Then they go through the caves and they're under the sea. Mischief is very unhappy, and he runs off. Then they meet Ebenezer, who is oh. angry that... Jeremiah Boogle! <laughs> ...is stealing his job, so he runs to strike him. In chapter 17, Jeremiah Boogle sidesteps and Ebenezer goes flying. Julian employs his grown-up voice and threatens him with the police. Jeremiah Boogle shows them the caves and the props Ebenezer and Jacob used to fool tourists. Jeremiah Boogle takes them further into the caves and tells them the tunnel runs right under the lighthouse. He mentions the tide is coming in fast. Mischief is still lost and Tinker is quietly crying, but then there he is trembling and clutching a gold coin. Oh! Jeremiah Boogle says the tide's turning and they need to get out. They realise Ebenezer has seen the gold coin and made himself scarce. They were all very excited that they might just be able to find the treasure. Can you hear the weariness in my voice? I'm so sorry, but come on. I know it is... I know that, you know, reading the books close together as we have been, there is, you know, there's a chance of sort of repetitive themes and characters. But this one, this one is very, like, sort of we just took some bits from other books, especially the last one, and put them together. And then Enid was like, mm, that's jobs are good. <laughs> in chapter 18, and bearing in mind we're in chapter 18, and a key has been stolen and just now a coin has been found. Yeah, yeah, and... And those are the most exciting things that have happened, like the locksmith. Chapter 18, they have biscuits, sandwiches and coffee. They're having too much coffee. They're having a lot of coffee in this book. And yeah, I, I don't think they should be drinking this much coffee, but... Not if they've stayed... Not if Anne's 11. Oh yeah, of course. I forgot because... that they're tiny because I keep thinking that they're, you know, a bit older. Well, but they're not. It, it depends if you go by the conceit that they never age. Or they do age up. And in which case, if they age up, they're in their 20s, which is just ridiculous. <laughs> but if they don't age up, and is 11 and drinking, like, several cups of coffee a day. Yeah. They need to stop. Uh, the children head home and eat and talk treasure. A storm raged and they can't go anywhere. There's lots of nice descriptions in this chapter, I must say. But Dick works out that the direction they took in the caves brought them almost directly under the lighthouse so could they get to the same place by going down the shaft was that where the treasure was in chapter 19 they go onto the rocks and Anne spies a hole but Julian explores it and finds it's a dead end back inside they're drinking more coffee more coffee and Timmy jumps up and runs so fast that he falls down some stairs Julian goes to open the front door and it won't open someone has locked them in they're prisoners it's a bit of a dark tale at this point. Just these children locked in the lighthouse and the weather's really bad and it made me feel frightened. And what if they run out of food? And also for the first time, I think, after they get locked in, they actually worry, what if we run out of water? But they've got the rainwater thing. Mm. And they could always eat the monkey. <laughs> oh, I at some points I kind of feel like they just should have. Well, he found the gold coin, but apart from that, he's... Only really been an annoyance <laughs> to me. Um, <clears throat> they head back upstairs to try and plan what to do. They try and leave a note for the milkman. And they also try and stay cheery, but everyone is worried. Including me. Julian comes up with a plan. What if there was a natural hole connecting the lighthouse to the caves and they could simply walk out and get help? In chapter 20, the next morning, the milkman hadn't made it across because of the storm. They also see their boat has been stolen. Oh. Dick and Julian prepare to go down the shaft, and as they edge down the tunnel, they find gold coins, and above them, a hole, a perfect hiding place. They decide to leave the treasure trove for now, but put coins in their pockets. Suddenly, they hear Ebenezer and Jacob coming. 
The men see the gold. The boys get lost as they're running from the men a second time. And water's coming up to their ankles, but eventually they find their way back to the lighthouse and tell the others they found the treasure. But they were still trapped, and the storm was getting worse. In chapter 21, they decide to try and signal with a white tablecloth, which whips out the window and away. Tinker says it's a shame that the lighthouse lamp is no longer going, having previously said it probably does work. Mm. Julian asks if it's possible, and Tinker said his father showed him how to work it, and there's a bell too. They lug it up to the top of the lighthouse and set about lighting the lamp. Then they have to hang the bell outside in a storm. I did not like this at all. Also, the bell surely weighs as much as one of the children. It just... (laughs) I would have thought They've so. had a lot of near-death experiences, but this, I think, was the closest one, at least for Julian. Because he nearly goes over the edge. The night comes, and the light shines, and the bell tolls. In chapter 22, Jeremiah Boogle sees and hears the lighthouse. Everyone does. Ebenezer and Jacob know why, and they decide to run away. In the morning, Jeremiah Boogle, Constable Sharp, and the doctor goes to the lighthouse to break down the door. Then they all sit down and have tea and they tell them about the gold. And Julian says they'll go and get it and then go home. The end. Yeah, also, I didn't make a note of this, so it might have just been my imagination. But didn't Jeremiah Boogle earlier say to the children that there's some descendants of one ear Bill who are very poor and have children and they could really use the money? Ha ha, here we go. So, after Jeremiah Boogle has told the children the story, and George says, well then, what happened to the treasure from the wrecked ships? Who found it? No one, said Jeremiah. No one at all. It's still there, hidden wherever that old rascal put it. His secret went with him. But his family never found even a pearl necklace. Ha, that was a good joke, that was. They're dead and gone now. This is Barton Mosey. But they're relatives of theirs still living in Demon's Rocks who could do with a bit of that treasure. Poor as church mice they are, with two children as skinny as ever you'd see. And I really thought that at the end of the book, some of the the portion of the treasure that the children were given, the portion that didn't go to the crown, I thought they were going to donate it to the family. But it was just, at the end of the book, it was just like, the end, bye! Um, no, that didn't even happen. Nothing happened. This is a terrible book. <laughs> There's a lot of things that are mentioned once and then never again, like the poor relatives and Julian's record player. and Yeah, lots of things that um, mm. just don't go anywhere. Yeah, you don't. I was really disappointed. Really disappointed. Yeah, um, this, this wasn't one of my favourites. I did enjoy it. I enjoyed reading it. But um, throughout the whole thing, I couldn't shake the feeling that it was really overly familiar with me for me mm. oh, i've seen your note at the end that just says rubbish yeah i did I, I just didn't think it was very good at all i'm really disappointed by it it's the first one i mean some of them have been a bit like oh that reminds me of that bit or but this is the first one where i've just gone nothing apart from the lighthouse nothing new here anything else you want to say about five go to demon's rocks I got some real um, Mr. Miyagi Karate Kid vibes from Jeremiah Boogle in two places. One was when Ebenezer went for him and Jeremiah just stepped to the side at the last second and Ebenezer went flying. Mm. And the other one was right at the end, the policeman and Jeremiah Boogle break down that front door, which we've been told is like very sturdy a few times. Yeah. How do you do that? He's an old man. Beats me. And that's all. That's all that I needed to say. Well, this is a bit where we talk about the TV adaptations. I don't have any clips for you, but I am going to talk to you about the show. So, the 1990s version is very loyal to the book, so it's quite dull, really. And there's lots of camera shots avoiding the fact that they're obviously not in a lighthouse. There's no one-eared bill either, just the story of one ship that got wrecked. All the adult performances are very strange. 
Tinker is clearly not a fan of the monkey that he's got to act with. He always mm-hmm. looks really awkward and scared. And the monkey's on a lead and he's holding that lead so tightly. Like, not tightly to hurt the monkey, but like gripping it. Mm. It's very strange. And he's the same age as Julian. Certainly the same height. And he never pretends to be a car. Oh. In the 70s version, and it's a two-parter, goodness knows why, because they have to eke out every bit of walking through a cave slash tunnel possible. They sort of changed the reason with stealing the key, because that, even that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like, why do Ebenezer and Jacob steal the key? Yeah, I I don't know, to lock the children in, but what risk did they really think the children were to? But they've stolen the key before... Yeah, before they know anything about Before the they've known that the children have found some treasure. Mm. So he he went and did the robbery and took the key. So there's no robbery apart from the key being stolen. And they steal the key in order to go to the lighthouse because they've been searching the caves for so many years that they realise the only place they haven't searched is underneath the lighthouse. This is in the 70s version. So uh. they see that the kids, of the children, sorry, have turned up to visit the lighthouse and that there's no adults, so that's their opportunity to steal the key so they can get access to the lighthouse, I assume, at a later date. Right. Or actually at night. Because what, the, what then happens is... Jacob and Ebenezer break into the lighthouse while the children are there and they get stuck down the trapdoor. The five children are standing on the trapdoor and Timmy to keep them under there. That's when Tinker goes up and sets the light off to get help. But uh, But Jacob and Ebenezer start doing like fake drowning noises as if the water's come up so high that if they don't let them out of the trapdoor, they're going to die so mm-hmm. it's the girls that ca- the girls cave in in the end because it's really interesting because they're pushing up from below and dick and julian are on there for a while but you can see like that they could probably push their weight because yeah um and when my brother and i used to watch it in the old days we were just like we used to shout jump because if one of them if dick or julian jumped it would be it would add that extra wait just for that second to push them oh, down yeah. again you know what while they're waiting for the extra weight of the girls anyway yeah so we used to go jump of course they never did jeremiah boogle is just pure ham actor and i can't understand him quite a lot it's like oh, i'm in the lighthouse <laughs> young and but he doesn't believe the treasure's there and he says if you find even a hint of that gold i'll eat my hat and it ends with, obviously, they found the treasure. And they're like, we didn't even find a hint of it. We found it all. And he pretends to eat his hat. And they say, how is it? And you know, each episode ends with a laugh, don't you? Yeah. And he's like, could do with some more salt. And then they all fall about laughing. Oh, my God. Um, The episode is filmed at Hearst Castle, which has got a, a, a genuine lighthouse and is a castle. And you can go and visit it. It's on the south coast. And it's actually where my grandpa was born. Oh, wow. So my great-grandpa was in the Royal Artillery and he was based or stationed at Hearst Castle in 1911 when my grandpa was born. And my grandpa uh, being, uh, I never met him, but he was a a joker. You've met my dad, you know what my dad's like. Mm -hmm. He used to say, well, of course, growing up in a castle, this, that and the other. And then my grandma would go, of course, he left when he was six months old. (laughs) So he never actually uh, had much experience there and the other one final thing i want to say about the 70s version is i was young i didn't know pennies from heaven was a saying and when dick and julian find the gold dick is on julian's shoulders and he sprinkles some gold on top of him gold coins on top of him and one of them says talk about pennies from heaven but i didn't know there was a thing and i heard it as talk about pennies for a hairdo (laughs) (laughs) sounds so so ritzy it took a long time for me to realise that it's pennies from heaven not pennies for a hairdo I like pennies for a hairdo the end, do I recommend you watch the episodes yeah go on just 
just to see the nice, the big nice lighthouse at Hearst Castle. Yeah, just to see pennies for a hairdo. There's a shot out the window of the lighthouse and you can clearly see that it's attached to a massive castle, not like on the coast, you can't access it, etc, etc. Oh, oh, that's funny. So, what have we learnt from Five Go to Demon's Rocks? Um, well, apparently monkeys can cry. Hmm. And the invention of T-Sop. Mm, wonderful. And it's absolutely fine to invite a police officer over to visit you when you're on holiday in a lighthouse. And that the five went to a historical place where an old man told them about an undiscovered treasure, something that two unsavoury people are also after. An unusual pet found a piece of the treasure which led the five to it under the ground. Finiston Farm or Demon's Rocks, you decide. And you can also add to that uh, a lady who is very stressed about having to host lots of people in her house. Oh, yeah. Goodness. <sighs> Never mind. Do we have a hero of the book? No. Yeah, nobody stood out to me either. It was, I felt like it was one of those ones when we've got an extra child character. So it's hard, you know, it means less time for each of the five and it's harder to decide who's the hero. But also, just... once you've got in this, like, we've got into this rut of they go and try and find some treasure and they get locked in somewhere or something. Nobody, you know, Dick, in one of the books, Dick scales the well to go and rescue somebody or, yeah, you know, George gets kidnapped and doesn't give up the fact that she's not the girl they're looking for. They're... they're barely turning up for an adventure these days they really aren't do you know what i did just think though is that we have given hero to timmy before and i wonder if he can have it because he was kind to mischief and timmy can hear from up a flight of stairs in a lighthouse who's at the door and he uh, reacts to it appropriately yes Go on, give it to Timmy. And he has to stay while they go off. Yeah, by himself. Yeah. He's a good boy. Yeah, Timmy. Timmy. If in doubt, Timmy. And um, what can we expect next time? I've no idea. This book was never adapted in the 1970s, and I don't think I've actually read it. And if I have, I've only read it once. So... Don't know. What's the next one called? It's called Five Have a Mystery to Solve. Oh, I was going to try and guess, you know, what was going to happen, but that doesn't give me very much. I think on. there's a mystery by about <laughs> chapter 17. And it's, <laughs> and it's solved, solved by chapter 19. And then they sit down and have tea and don't really complete the, the adventure. Yeah, they might... Um... They might drink something new in the next book, because this book we did have coffee and fresh water, which, you know, usually they're practically allergic to. Slightly worried they're going to go on to harder substances if they've had too much oh, coffee. Maybe that's why it finishes at book 21, just... <laughs> you book know, 22 is five go to rehab. Oh, poor five. They've had such a weird few years. <laughs> oh, so... So in the meantime, until Five Have a Mystery to Solve, mm. uh, you can go and look at us on Twitter and follow us and tweet us. We are at Famous Five Pod. And actually, what's quite exciting on the Twitter is I posted a picture of um, a certain young lady baby <laughs> with the book. And Gail Renard, who adapted uh, a lot of the 70s show, fa- uh, liked picture and i got very excited oh that's so exciting gail renard yeah oh gail renard likes my little lady baby (laughs) so if and don't forget a hundred years ago at the start of this episode before when we were all much younger and less wise we asked you for your emails please get in touch we'd absolutely love to include your email on our very last episode Yes, so that's famousfivepod at gmail.com. So please do, please do email us. It'll be lovely to hear from you and then we can read out 
some nice or fun or interesting things in our last episode. And if your opinion differs from ours, that's absolutely fine. We're not going to make fun of you if you really enjoyed this book and it's your favourite one. Brilliant. We're not that type of person. <laughs> we're not that type of person. Makes it sound like we're one person. The truth is out. Uh oh. This is just <laughs> two personalities. <laughs> yeah, like uh like a mini hydro type thing, like we've got two heads with two personalities, oh, a personality each, but we are one person. Would be terrifying. And that is a sign that we definitely need to say goodbye. Yes. Goodbye and good night and we I'll will see, see you next time. time. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Famous Five podcast. And please join us next month for more adventures. Goodbye. Goodbye.